Turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. Before we get into it, just a quick review. Peter was a great apostle. Amen? Amen? When Peter first started his first sermon, he led 5,000 people to the Lord. Now, that's a great message. Amen? Amen? Noah preaches for 100 years, and nobody listens. 100 years he's preaching, and not one person gets saved besides his own family. Peter preaches, and 5,000 come. Then Peter preaches again, and then another 10,000 come. And it was almost like every single time Peter spoke, people came to the Lord. But Peter didn't speak on his own half. He spoke on the half of Jesus Christ. And when he gave the word, he gave him Jesus. He never said, look at me, look what my accomplishment. My name is the apostle Peter of the first dimension. He always called himself a servant, a follower of Jesus. Because guess what? Peter had a nature like you and I. Amen? As great as Peter was, as great he messed up. God calls Peter through Jesus, and he, Jesus goes out and, you know, hey, he goes out fishing, and he catches nothing. Someone say he catches nothing. And so he comes back from fishing, and he says to himself, listen, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, I, I was at all, the, all night, and I caught nothing. And Jesus goes, let's try it again. And I don't know about you, but you got the scripture or no? Okay, you don't have to put it on yet. I don't know about you, but have you ever had somebody... Like, I, I'm a football coach. Amen. I coach football all the time, and I'm also a pastor, in case you didn't know. And I, and I like sports, and I like football, and I like, you know, and, you know, and, and sometimes I play the, I used to play Madden. And, and you can ask Pastor John, I was like number five in the world at Madden. In order to be that, you have to play a lot. When shooting, shooting should be praying, I was praying while I was playing. But to make a long story short, I, I, one time I had, Joaquin had a friend come over, and I'm not going to mention his name. He's trying to tell me how to play Madden. Amen? And then it kind of irritated me, but it, it, the point I'm trying to make is this. And all of a sudden, when I was coaching, one of the, one of the um, mothers on the team goes, I think you should put my son at running back. Your son is three foot two, weighs 100-something pounds. He's not a running back. And he's slower than, but have you ever had, a, you were good at something and somebody tried to tell you how to, anybody, has it ever happened to you? You? You over there? I mean, that's what you do, right? Jerry, you film, right? What if I said, listen, listen, if you hold your camera like this, Jerry, and you know, if you just tweak it that way, you might get a better, you're looking at me like, I do this for a living. Hello. Peter fish for a living. And all of a sudden, you got this guy coming up to him and saying, listen, I, I'll tell you what. Let's go fishing during the day. And Peter's been out there all night, and he caught nothing. And all of a sudden, you got this teacher, and he says, teacher, stick to teaching. Right? But nevertheless, I'm going to amuse you. Let's go out there. And the Bible says he caught abundance of fish. Someone say he caught abundance of fish. He went out all night because he's a fisherman and he caught nothing. 
Jesus explains to him how to fish, and he goes back out there, and he catches abundance. He falls to his knees, and he begins to cry and says, depart from me, for I am a sinner. Amen? Someone say, I am a sinner. That's the first thing that we all need to come to that place. We need to come to that place. As long as we're sinning, we will catch nothing. I'm going to talk to this section right here. As long as we're sinning, we will catch nothing. And so he acknowledges it. I am a sinner. Depart from me. And the Bible says this. He followed Jesus, right? And then a few weeks later, instead of following Jesus, he's fishing again. And finally Jesus says, listen, let the, stop the nets. Clean, get, let's go. Amen? Enough is enough, Peter. And so Peter does this several times and finally gets to the place where I have to follow the one that has the words. I have to follow the one that knows what he's doing. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we feel like we're an expert at what we're doing, but how many people know there's somebody that's an author in the finish of your faith? He actually knows more than you. I said he actually knows more than you. Sometimes we feel like, well, this is the best thing for me. Listen, sometimes it's not, it might be the best for your flesh, but not best for God. Amen? Sometimes we think, oh, you know, if I can just do this, it's going to work out. And listen, you'll always come up empty by leaning on your own understanding. And so as great as Peter was, he did have a nature like you and I. He was a little stubborn. Any stubborn people in the house? Any stubborn people? Besides my wife? He was stubborn. He was hard-headed. He had an attitude. He got mad. And guess what? He was a fisherman. He was rugged. He, he hung out with fishermen. He had a mouth on him. And as great as he was a great apostle, and as great that we read 1 Peter, you know, 1 Peter, and now we're going to 2 Peter, listen, he still had an attitude. But God learned how to direct that attitude. God learned how to direct his character when he finally got to that place. Because listen, let me tell you something. He, he, they were out there, and they were preaching, and there's multitudes of people. And, G, and Peter tells, uh, send them away. They're hungry. And, and he goes, they don't, we don't have no money for them. We don't have no food for them. And, and Jesus looks at them and says, you guys feed them. How can we feed them when we only have one little Caesar's pizza? And there's multitudes of people out there. Let me tell you something. That's sometimes the way we have the attitude. What, a, what is my $5 going to do when I put it in the bucket? What is my $150 really going to do? Listen, you learn how to sow a seed and God will multiply it. You learn how to give because you love to give. I said you learn how to give because you're not giving it to man. You're giving it to Jesus. The little guy gave his lunch to Jesus. He didn't give it to the apostles. He didn't give it to, to all those around him. He said, you know what, Jesus, you can have my lunch because I know you can do great things with it. And guess what? We're still eating from his lunch today. And so they go to another place. He says, let's go to the other side. And so they get in a boat. Someone say they get in a boat because they're a fisherman and they know how to go in a boat. And so they go to the other side and the people are hungry again. And so they first, they try to trick Jesus. Hello. Have you ever tried to trick Jesus? What sign are you going to do for me today? 
Amen? What are you going to do for me today? I know you fed me yesterday, but what have you done for me lately? What sign? In fact, Moses gave us food every day. What are you going to do for us? And Jesus very simply said, like, real quick. You know, I would have thought, hey, he told the guys to feed them. They should have looked around and started feeding them, right? But since they didn't respond, they're looking at Jesus. Jesus says, listen, I'll tell you what. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the Bible says this was a hard saying. That many of the disciples walked away and followed no more. Because you know what? Sometimes God's going to tell us to do things that we don't even understand. It's going to be a hard saying. I said it's going to be a hard saying. This is a hard saying. Leave your job and follow me. I remember when God spoke to me, he says, I want you to leave today and follow me. I'm like, wait a second, that's a hard saying. I have this to pay for and that to do and this and that. And he says, listen, leave this and follow me. Leave your boat and follow me. Quit going back and forth because, listen, no matter how much you work, sometimes you come up empty. No matter how much you try to do something, you always come up feeling empty in the end. Amen? No matter how big your job is, how many people are still broke? Because the reality. Says, so Peter, finally, Jesus looks to the disciples and says, you guys want to go too? Hey, you guys want to go too? You're more than welcome to leave too. And he looks at Peter and Peter looks at him and says, where am I going to go? You have the instructions to catch fish. Where in the world am I going to go? Last time I went out there, I caught nothing. And then I went out there again and caught nothing. And I'm a good fisherman. I'm not just, you know, a bad fisherman. But I have always come up empty when I don't follow your instruction. Amen? And so what God is trying to say, he's trying to instruct us this morning. And he's trying to instruct us this. He's saying, listen to me. I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to tell you something if you would only hear. Someone say, hear. And so we're going to start off with real quick. Second Peter. Chapter 3, verse 9. It's okay. I'll read it. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his, some count slackness. Amen. He's long-suffering. Someone say he's long-suffering. In other words, he's patient. Someone say he's patient. The Bible says he's patient toward us. In other words, Peter put himself in the same boat. Amen. He's saying, he's not suffering, listen, he's not long-suffering toward me or long-suffering toward you. He's long-suffering toward us. Someone say, he's long-suffering toward us. He's patient with us. He's patient with us. He's not going to force himself on you. Amen? He's not going to force himself on you. He's waiting for you to make the decision. And he's telling Peter, says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. He's not willing that any should perish. In other words, some of us are hungry. We're perishing. Amen? And we're not hungry for physical food because we know we do a good job on eating. We're hungry for something deeper. We're desiring something greater. We ate the fish and we're still hungry. Right? We had the, the big sandwich or, or the steak and, and, and all the fixings and, and yet we're still hungry. We, we went out there and tasted the goodness and, and the, 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 the Holy Ghost. And, and we went out there and heard a good message. And, and we heard the great worship. But you know what? That didn't still do it. Because something even deeper that, that we need some desire. And Jesus is so patient with us. 
he just looks at us and follows us and sometimes even laughs. Do you really think that you're going to catch anything? And sometimes we do catch something, but not the right thing. Oh, you missed that one. Sometimes if we fish in the wrong areas, we'll catch something. Some dirty old catfish. I know, oh, I like catfish. That's good for you. I don't. Some carp. Right? Hello? You mean I, I invested everything I had in that? And this is what I get out of it? I invested all my money in my boyfriend, and he still hasn't worked for five years. Because you've been fishing in the wrong areas. Oh, man, I'm going to talk to this. Someone give me a dirty look over here. I'm going to talk to these people over here. You've been fishing in the wrong areas. You're not following the instruction of Jesus. And if you don't like it, you can go too, Peter. And then Peter is smart enough and says, where am I going to go? You have the instructions and the navigation how to get to eternal life and how to get to heaven and how to get to the prosperity and how to be blessed. And so we're going to talk about John right here. John chapter 20. One, beginning with verse 1. Now listen to this. Jesus already showed himself. Some of the Jesus already showed himself. This is after he was crucified, he rose from the dead, and he shows himself, and he tells them, listen, Thomas goes, let me touch you. And he says, listen to this, because it's going to help us out. Blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. I know some of us haven't seen Jesus in a while. But you still got to believe that he's real. You still got to believe that he rose from the dead. You still got to believe that his promises are yes and amen. You still got to believe that there is a heaven and there is a hell. You still got to believe. And although you have not seen him lately, and maybe you have not had no fish lately, and maybe things are not turning out the way you want them lately, and maybe you're not getting goosebumps like you used to lately, I tell you something, he's still in the boat. He's still in the house. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again. Someone say again. This is the second time. And his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and on the way he showed himself. Someone say he showed himself. Simon Peter. Someone say Simon Peter. Thomas and the twin, Nathaniel and Canaan of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples, were together. Now, I find it interesting that he goes and shows himself and Right here, it mentions only the fishermen. He shows himself, and all the other disciples were there, but he specifically calls out the fishermen. And this is the second time he's shown himself. And I love what it says. After these things, he, Jesus showed himself. Don't you wish Jesus would show himself to me? Don't you wish that he would just show up and just touch you and say, I'm here, daughter. I'm here, son. You don't have to worry. Follow me. Listen to my instructions. I know you've been distracted. I know that you've been confused. I know that it looks around like the net is still empty. But I can guarantee you follow me and you will catch what I need you to catch. 
And sometimes, guess what? Sometimes when you, you might only catch one fish, but it's the fish that you need. Just ask Jennifer. I know there's a lot of fish in the ocean, but she caught the right one. Come on, somebody. Now, I love what it says. It says, Simon Peter, Thomas the twin, Nathaniel Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, the two other, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going what? I'm going back to work. You're not providing. You're not, you're not coming through. I'm going back to school. Hello, I'm going back to dating. I'm going to another church. Hello, I'm going to another church. I'm going, to, I'm going out there. You know what? It's not the same in this little church. It's not the same in my house. I'm going to go look for another fish. And I know what you're thinking. Well, he had to provide for himself. He had to go out there. I mean, you, you can't expect him just to stay there and wait for Jesus and put his hand out. Let me tell you something. If Jesus told you to stay here until I come back, you need to stay there. God is testing our heart. I remember there's a story of a pastor. This, this church was looking for three pastors. I mean, this church was looking for one pastor. Three people were interviewing. The first guy comes in, and he comes in with the stuff, and he has his resume, and he puts it down, and he says, the, the pastor will be right with you. Just hold on. And he sits there, and he sits there, and like 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, he goes, you know, I got to go. And he goes, really? He goes, yeah, I got to go. You know, this, this is, you told me to be here at 3 o'clock. It's already 3.30, 3.45. You know what? I'm out of here. And the next one comes in, same thing. And the last one comes in. This guy waited like four hours. Just waited four hours, and the pastor finally comes out, looks at him, and says, you're hired. Why? Because God tests our heart to see if we're going to respond, to see if we're going to be patient, to see if we're going to wait. And guess what? Peter can wait. Well, how, do you know, how do you know, Pastor, that, that he didn't just go out there because he was hungry or he didn't need to provide for himself? Let me tell you something. You know how we know this? How do you know that, you know, the so-and-so wasn't called out there? And how do you know that so-and-so shouldn't have left his husband and went out there and found another one? And how do you know? Let me tell you something. Because when you go out there and catch nothing, it's not of God. God called you to do greater things. If you're going to leave this place and go catch bigger fish, then go for it and go catch them. But if you're going to go to this and go fishing because you feel like I just don't feel it, guess what? I don't care how you feel. Maybe you're fishing in the wrong area. Oh, I want to preach. How, how about this? Go preach to the children. God called me to be a preacher. Good. There's a street out there full of homeless people and people that are hurting. Go preach to them. I'm going to go start my own thing. Go ahead, Peter. Get in the boat and go catch nothing. If you don't believe me, this is what happens. And I love what it says. Listen to what it says. Go back, go back, go back, back real quick, quick. I love what it says. The sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Someone say two of his disciples. Who were those disciples? I believe that the reason why it happens like that, because God wants to put your name in it. And my name in it. Even as a pastor, sometimes we go on to go back to fishing because fishing pays a little bit more sometimes. Come on, somebody. Or, you know, fishing is more exciting. At least I don't have to deal with people. I'm just out there in the ocean. Being a pastor is not easy. In fact, it would be easy if I didn't have to deal with people. Amen? 
So fishing might be exciting to me. Going back to my old ways or, or my old lifestyle where when I used to work in the, the attorney, field, uh, attorney service, it was easy. I don't deal with people. I just do my work and get out. Pit and run. And so those other two disciples could be you and me. Maybe it's you, Claire. Maybe you're in the boat. Maybe it's you, Paul, Corbett. I don't know. Their names are not written. It could be you. You're a disciple. And sometimes we feel empty, and sometimes we feel dry, and sometimes we feel like we don't have no purpose in life, and sometimes we feel like there's something greater, there's something greater, there's something greater. Let me tell you, there ain't nothing greater than Jesus. And Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. Keep going. Then they said to him, we are going with you. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and they were there all night and caught what? Caught nothing. But when in the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet his disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And I don't understand this. It's quick. How quickly we forget. How quickly we forget the food that we ate yesterday. How quickly we forget when our wife does a good deed for us. We quickly forget. But we like to remember bad things. How quickly we forget the flowers or how quickly we forget the love. How quickly we forget these things. And we like to remember bad things. How quickly. Oh, who is that out there? Let me explain to you something. It wasn't the first time he appeared to them because they would have had an excuse. It wasn't the second time that he appeared to them because we just know that that was the second time he appeared to them. This is the third time there he's appearing to them and they still couldn't recognize. You know why they didn't recognize? Because they weren't looking for him. Sometimes your blessing's right in front of you and you still can't see it. Sometimes your blessing's right next to you and you still can't see it. You're always looking for something to satisfy you. How do you know it's not right next to you? How do you know it's not in you? But you're out there fishing because you wouldn't, if you weren't fishing and would have did what Jesus called you, you would have recognized it was Jesus all along. And Jesus stood at the shore and his disciples did not know it was him. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast your net on the right side. Part of the problem, the reason why we're not catching what we're supposed to be catching, because we're fishing in the wrong side. We're on the wrong side. You're, you're on the left side, and some people on the left side are going to be left behind. you got to get on the right side of Jesus. And you know what? It can be symbolic. It can be, oh, the right side, I get it. He's, the right, I'm a right-handed guy, so I must be blessed. Listen, I don't care if you're left-handed or right-handed. Sometimes you need to fish in the right areas. In other words, if he said cast your net on the right side, they were right next to the fish. It wasn't like, I need you to go out 400 feet that way and go to the left and go this way. Here's a navigation system, and then all of a sudden I want you to sprinkle some little things out there, and the fish are going to, he says, just catch their net to the right side. Sometimes we're so close to the blessing and we can't see it. Sometimes we're so close to our purpose and we can't see it. Sometimes we're like this. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm waiting for a wife. Oh, where's my wife? Oh, I love her so much. I need a wife, Jesus. I need a wife. Oh, my God. I'm in the wrong area. 
Turn around. Look to the right. Look to the left. Cast your net on this side. You know, when God tells you to do something, just be patient and do it. I know you know better, fishermen. But I'm the one that created the fish. I know you know what you're doing, Peter, but guess what? You're no longer going to be a fisherman. You're going to be a fisher of men. Cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not even able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Be patient. Fishermen are patient. But godly fishermen are even greater patient. Just wait on the Lord. Be patient with the Lord. Wait on the Lord and he will establish your steps. He will establish your marriages. He will fix your finances. He will help you with your children. He will help you with your marriages. He will, listen, be patient. My mom was so patient. She would call those things that are not as if they were. She would say, you guys are going to be this, and you guys are going to be preaching this, and Michael, you're going to preach before millions, and, and this, and this, and this, and this. And I'm looking at her, Mom, you lost your mind. But she was patient, and she was a lover of God, and she listened to the instructions of God. She didn't jump out of the ship and go marry somebody else and say, listen, I can't deal with him anymore. I'm gone. This guy's crazy. My kids are crazy. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm a beautiful woman. I can go find something. But my, he's stay in the boat, Irma. Throw it on the right side. Sometimes you just got to stay in the boat. And listen to the instructions of Jesus. The Bible says not to grow weary while doing good. If you're doing good, you're going to be blessed. If you're doing good, the harvest will come. If you're doing good, the fish will come. If you're doing good, listen, I don't care what the church looks like. There's thousands that are coming. There's multitudes that are coming. Maybe we'll be just, maybe we cast our nets to the left side and, and we're not catching very much, but we're going to catch, we're going to catch some because we're going to cast it to the right side. Maybe God's just waiting for those two disciples to get in the boat. Hello. You go, Peter. No, you jump in too. If we're going to catch a multitude of fish, we're going to take a multitude of people to help them. Oh, you missed that. Who are those other disciples? That's probably you. Because you know what? If we catch a multitude of fish, we're going to need a multitude of people to help. You go, pastor, let's start, you better start discipling people. No, we, you are the ones that we're going to disciple. Hmm. Therefore, the disciples in Jesus' love said to Peter, it is the Lord. Oh, really? Wow, that's the third time. Now it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard this, that it was the Lord, he put off his outer garments and removed them, and he plunged into the sea. You see, I really believe this, and God is speaking to some of you this morning. A lot of us like to go for the boat ride, right? We just go, flow, go with the flow, right? You know those kind of people? Whatever the church says, whatever, the, whatever this is the ark, whatever. The, just go with the flow. But you know what? God is waiting for some of you to dive in. Hello? God is waiting for some of you. To dive in. To jump in. 
there's something when, when, you, when, when he knew that it was the Lord, he says, listen, I can't go with the flow. Last time I went with the flow, listen, you guys stayed in. I walked on water for a minute. And you know what? I enjoyed walking on water. And if he, listen, if I have to swim to Jesus, I'm going to swim to him. You know why he did it? It was like Olympics. He was going for gold. Come on, somebody. He was going for gold. He wanted to make sure he got to Jesus faster. It was 100 yards away. It was 100 yards away, and he jumped in. He took his clothes out, and he jumped, and he swam 100 yards because he was going for gold. He didn't care how much fish he caught. It didn't matter how much fish he caught. It didn't matter that the nets were full. It didn't matter that, guess what? He says, oh, my God, I got to get to Jesus. And he plunged into the sea. Keep going. But the other disciples came in a little boat. For they're not far from the land, about 200 cubits, which is 100 yards, dragging the net with fish. And they also said to him, they came to the land and they saw the fire of coals there and the fish laid on it and the bread. I think it's so awesome. These people are hungry. These are fishermen. They're hungry. And they're out there and they caught nothing. Now they catch abundance of fish, but they're still hungry. It wasn't like they were just going to, listen, they didn't eat sushi back then. Anybody eat sushi? It's some good stuff. You haven't tried it. It wasn't like they grabbed the fish and started biting the, you know, come on, somebody. They were hungry, and yet even before they got to the shore, God already prepared for them something. God already prepared a meal for them. I could just imagine the aroma when they got out there on the ocean, and all of a sudden the, the food was made, and Jesus was there. It was like, this is sort of like heaven. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been fishing for. This is what I've been longing for. This is, I'm willing to dive in to get some of that fish. I'm willing to dive in to get some of that Jesus. I'm willing to dive in. And I love what it says. Verse 10. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net unto the land and full of the large fish, 153. Although there were so many, the net was not broken. Keep going. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and he gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time. So I'm going to say the third time. Jesus had shown himself to his disciples after he's risen from the dead. This is the third time. It wasn't the first time. It wasn't the second time. This is the third time. How many times does Jesus have to show himself for you to believe? And how many times do you have to go out and catch nothing until you believe? How many times does he have to bless you or save you or touch you or, you know, financially? Listen, God is waiting for some of you just to surrender. God is waiting for you to someone says, listen, not my will, but your will be done. The problem is you think your husband's Jesus. You think your children are Jesus. You think your wife is Jesus. So when your wife lets you down or your kids let you down or your, or your job lets you down or somebody lets you down, you go, Jesus, let me down. Jesus never lets you nor forsake you. He will never let you down. 
Don't compare man to Jesus. Oh, God let me down. You know why? Because this is still happening. Listen, that's still happening because that's part of sin. This is now the third time. Now listen what it says. So when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, come here, Peter. I want to talk to you. That's amazing that you dove in to get to me. But I got something to ask you, Peter. And Jesus said to him, Simon. Someone say Simon. The word Simon means listen or hear. Hey, Peter, you know what? Let's get down to it. I love it that he called him Simon. I love it. He got in his face and says, you know what? I want to talk to you. Come here, Joaquin. Come here, Corbett. Come here, Don. Come here, Debbie. Come here. I want to talk to you. And he goes, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Because God is sick and tired of those who say, God knows I love him. He knows my heart. I know I don't go to church, and, and I don't help out people, and, you know, and I don't really pray, and, you know, I don't pray for my food or say my prayers at night or, or get into my word or really care for people. But God knows. God knows my heart. How many times have we said that? How many times when you look at your son or your daughter or, or somebody that you love and you go, man, there's greatness in you. There's greatness in why are you fishing in the wrong area? Why are you doing these things when you know that God has called you to do greater things? And then you tell them, like you try to encourage them. Hello. You try to encourage them. Listen, you're fishing in the wrong area. Go back to the Lord. Go back to the things that made you happy. Go back to those things that satisfied you. Go back where you ate the fish and ate, and ate the bread and drank the blood and ate his flesh. Go back to the place where you were happy. Go back to that place. And you know what they say? God knows my heart. You can say all that you want, but only God can judge me. And you know what? Simon had the same attitude. You know what? Everybody else, you stayed in the boat, but I jumped out. Sometimes jumping out of a boat doesn't mean love. Sometimes we jump out because we're convicted. I said sometimes we jump out because we want to prove, hey, hey, I'm spiritual. Why everybody else stayed and I'm spiritual. I jumped out and I swam. And you guys, look at me, Jesus. I'm swimming. I'm swimming. But sometimes we do things because, guess what? We want to feel good about ourselves. I'm better than that. I'm the only one, Elijah, right? I'm the only one. And God turned around and said, Elijah, let me tell you something. I got 7,000 that have not bowed their knee. I chose you. And if you don't like it, I'll pick them. If you put it into perspective, who are you? What is man that God is mindful of you? And that he would think of you and call you in such a time as this. For this greatness, as this dark, as the world gets darker, we must share the light of God. Simon, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know my heart. You know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Someone say, love is an action. Love is an action. 
Someone say, he said, feed my lambs. He didn't say, feed yourself, Peter. I know you're hungry. Feed yourself. Part of the problem, we like to feed ourselves. Knowledge, money, wisdom. We like to feed ourselves. Hello. No one has ever hated themselves, according to the scripture, but we take showers, hopefully. Amen. Some of us put cologne on. Some of us want to do better. So we don't hate ourselves, but sometimes it's time for us to feed others before we feed ourselves. There's nothing worse when I see people that I know they're struggling financially. And maybe they're homeless. And, and I go to a restaurant and I see the father eating the hamburger like it's no tomorrow. And the kids are just looking at him like pigeons and, and looking at him like, oh, can you, I'm hungry. And the father's just shoving it in his face. It, it breaks me. It, it drives me crazy. I almost got arrested one time because I seen him like that. I went out there and said, can you not share a little bit? He said, mind your own business. I said, I'll mind my own business. You just take a step outside, I'll mind my business. So the cop came up to me and said, what's the problem? And I explained to him, hey, this guy's eating, and you see these kids crying because they're hungry. You know what, you say mercy, but that's the way we are. And maybe physically wouldn't do that because we're morally, we'll jump out of the ocean for Jesus. I mean, we'll jump out of the boat for Jesus. But you know what, deep down inside, we feed ourselves. We don't really consider others more than ourselves. And it's very simple. God says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so it says, Peter, if you really love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then feed my lambs. Keep going. He said to him again the second time, Simon, listen to me. Do you love me more? Do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he says, tend my sheep. Now, I want you to understand there is a difference of feeding somebody and tending to somebody. Amen? I'll give you the example. I don't mind doing the nursery for an hour. Once a month. But I would mind if I had to take all those kids home with me. It's bad enough I got to take one of them ready. You know the difference of feeding somebody and tending to somebody. Amen? In other words, we like to feed our wives because we want something in return. Oh, I'm sorry. What does that mean? You know exactly what I mean. Microwave love. You're nice for a, sick, uh, for a couple of moments because you have things to do, right? Oh, it's the truth. It's called microwave love. Thank God that microwave, right here, stand up. This, this beautiful couple here is inviting other couples, married couples, to go on a gathering, Right? Because you could, listen, that's called tending instead of feeding. It's called tending to the needs rather than just feeding. Hey, here's a hamburger. See you later. So speaking of married couples, if you want to go with them, 
See them right after. They're going to tell you where it's at. Amen? And so he tells Peter, listen, Peter, not only do I want you to feed them, but I want you to bring them in and tend to them. Amen? And I'll never forget how this church started. There was a gentleman who knocked on the door. And he says, I heard this is a Christian home. Jerry was in the yellow house. He, he knew this guy named Harold Pilgrim. He knocks on the door and he says, I, I heard this is a Christian home. It wasn't a Christian home. But we have a hamburger for you if you need it. We have some bread. Some, some bologna. Some water. Take it and go your way, basically. We'll feed you, but we won't tend to you. And God says, listen, Peter, if you love me, not only do I want you to feed them, but I want you to tend to them. I want you to lay down your life for them. I want you to give up on your fishing. Because you know what? Sometimes when you go out on your own authority, I'm going I'm to speak this loud and I'm going to speak it clear. Sometimes when you're not listening to God and you're leaning on your own understanding, and you're thinking more of yourself than what God has for you. Sometimes when you jump in the boat, you take people with you that shouldn't have gone with you. As soon as Peter says, I'm going fishing, they said, I'm going with you. And sometimes when we go out and do things that we shouldn't do, we take others with us. We tell them, oh, it must not be important to go to church. It must not be that important to seek God. It must not be important to do these things. Because if you're not doing it and you're supposed to be the spiritual person, then why should I? People are looking at us. People depend on us. And when God becomes less important, it becomes less important to them. And this is why I had a great example. My mom thought God was everything. Because to her, he was everything. Let me tell you something. Life is nothing but a vapor that appears for a while and then vanishes away. Then you're going to appear before Jesus and he's going to say, what did you do with the talents that I gave in you? Did you feed my sheep? Did you tend to my lambs? And he said to him the third time, someone say the third time. And Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Because he asked him the third time. You know why Peter was grieved? Because he was convicted. There's a difference. I remember when my pastor used to preach. And I would be right there and I would be so mad at him. And I was grieved in my heart and say, you know what? I think he's talking to me. Why don't he just say, Joaquin, da, 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 da. That's what I felt like. And I would ask him right afterwards. I said, listen, why don't you just call me out, you know, like, you know, Jesus did to Peter and say, hey, Peter, you know, kind of like that. He separated him, right? Why just speak in front of everybody? Everybody knew that you were talking to me. He says, really? That's what the other guy just said. He says, I don't speak a message just for you. I speak the message because God had called me to do it. I go verse by upon verse, precept upon precept. And if it happens to hit you, then let it hit you. Because I love you more than you getting grieved with me. And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you the truth, Peter. Because I'd rather you be mad and grieved in your heart than go back out there and catch nothing over and over and over again. Finally, he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. I'm just stubborn. 
just messed up. I don't see the 5,000 I'm going to preach to. And I don't see the 10,000 that are going to come to you. And I didn't see the letters that I'm going to write you. The only thing I see is a broken up, messed up fisherman. Uneducated. Don't really have a purpose. I'm rugged. You know that, Jesus. As much as I didn't want to let you down. As much as I didn't want to hurt you. I let you down, Jesus. I denied you. I blasphemed you. I doubted you. And how are you going to tell me? How are you going to tell me that you're going to use me to build a church when I can't even catch fish? And that's what I do for a living. I'm empty, Jesus. The first time we caught fish, I told you I was a sinner. It just seems like you didn't believe me. But I am, Jesus. I messed up. Sometimes I blow it. Sometimes I feel like a worthless father or no good husband. Sometimes I don't even want to pastor because I feel like people are not listening. Why you choose me? Why you ask me, Jesus? Just leave me alone. Stay away from me. I'll never leave you nor forsake you and when I start a work I will complete it sometimes men and beautiful women of God sometimes we fail sometimes we fall short sometimes we feel like why God why me and why now because he loves you he looked at Peter with those eyes and says, Peter, I love you, Peter. I know you failed. I know you. I know you. I know. But you know what? Deep down inside, Peter, I see what's really in your heart. You really do love people. You do really want to help people. Don't let nobody steal that from you, Peter. Don't let nobody take that from you, Peter. I know you like fishing because you like to feed people. I know you like giving. I know you like helping. I know you like these. Peter, don't let that die. Peter, don't let that die. These are the qualities of God. Why do you think I chose you before the foundations of the world? Why do you think I picked you for such a time as this? Why do you think I didn't leave you on that boat in the first place, Peter? And he said the third time, do you love me? And he said to them, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. What are your lambs? Some of you have children. Those are your lambs. Keep feeding them, God. Keep feeding them, Jesus. Keep feeding them, love. Keep feeding them. Keep feeding them. No matter what, keep feeding them. My mom fed me, even when I didn't deserve to eat. Come in, mijo. I made you this. She kept feeding my dad, even though he didn't deserve to eat. She kept feeding him. 
she kept feeding him. Then my friends would come in and they would be all messed up too and she kept feeding them. She kept feeding them. She kept investing in her children. She kept investing in my friends. She kept investing in her husband. She kept investing and she made the greatest investment of all. When my mom died, she died with nothing. She didn't have nothing to leave behind but a few pieces of furniture. But her legacy, I said her legacy and her love for her children and for her son-in-law and for her daughter-in-law and for all of her grandchildren. Listen, that legacy cannot be restored. When your mama loves you and she keeps praying for you, you can run, baby, but you cannot hide. That prayer will always be answered. Jesus, we love you. And with all eyes closed and heads bowed, The Lord knows your heart. The question is, do you love him? Are you willing to leave your nets, your boats? Are you willing to leave your personal desires? What would it gain you gain the whole world and lost your soul? And what would a man give in exchange for his soul? I choose Jesus. The greatest investment I've ever made in my life was Jesus. And he's blessed me with everything under the sun. Because one day he's going to say, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me drink. I was in prison and you did not feed, you did not visit me. My marriage was messed up and you didn't counsel me. I was homeless and you didn't take nothing to me. And we're going to say, when did I see you, Jesus, homeless? And when did I see you hungry? And when did I see you thirsty? If I would have seen you, Jesus, I would have I done it. He says, when you didn't do it to them, you didn't do it to me. God does know the heart of man. So the question this morning is, do you love God or do you love Jesus? Does he need to ask you one time, two times, three times, or a thousand times? The question still remains, do you love him? And if you love him this morning, I just want you to stand from your chair. There's no altar call. It's a Jesus call. And you just stand from your chair and say, you know what, God? I love you more than my husband. I love you more than my wife. I love you more than anything that I have. Lord, I love you more than my children. I love you more than my job. I love you more than my church. I love you more. I love you. I love you. I love you.